Walking with God. And we're going to be talking about Joshua chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, open it up. I want you to follow along. I want you to circle things. I want you to highlight things. I want you to make notes. I want you to get something out of this service that you can use when you go home. I want it to impact your life. I don't just want it to be information. You can get information anywhere, but it's what you do with that information, that's the key and how it changes your life and draws you closer to God. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 5. <clears throat> and I, what I'm going to do is as we go through this, I'm going to pull out really the, the, the book of Joshua and I'm going to show you you know, maybe chapter by chapter or a couple of chapters at a time, really what the big things are that happened so that it refreshes your memory so you know what's going on. And we're going to sandwich right in between there what's happening in chapter 5, which is very important, I think. It, and it also um, speaks to a lot of what we have going on in our lives today. So let's, first of all, you know what? Let's, let's take five seconds and pray because... It's always good to pray before you read the Scripture because we need help interpreting it. We need the Spirit of God to show us what it is that we're reading. So let's do that together. Lord, we are about to dive into Your Word. And God, the Bible is the same today as it was thousands of years ago, and it'll be the same as it is you know, hundreds of years in the future because Your Word is unchanging as You are unchanging. So your people now are sitting here, eyes wide open, ears wide open, ready to see and hear what it is you have for them tonight. So Lord, all I ask is you give it to them. Let them receive the message that you need them to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Let me pause there just for a quick second and say... You notice how God's intervention in allowing the Israelites to cross the, the Jordan River, it sucked the life right out of the enemies. It said the Spirit was no longer in them. It drained them of their power, their, their, uh, their thirst for battle. They realized what they were up against, and they stopped. Verse 2, And at that time... The Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. It's kind of a crazy name, but it gives you an, an image of just how many people were involved in this. That they had to call it the hill. God gave Moses a command to circumcise the men of Israel. He gave Abraham the same command. And now, he is coming back and saying it to Joshua. 
Now, this is a touchy subject. Anytime we talk about this, it's uncomfortable. In fact, the men always wince when we talk about it. But Moses, he forgot to do this. What's the purpose of this circumcision? Moses forgot to do this, and his son nearly, uh, and, and God nearly killed Moses because of it. His wife actually had to intervene and do it to save Moses' life. So this is not something we can just gloss over. This is important. It's important to God, so it should be important to us. This is a sign of a covenant or a promise between God and you. That's what it is. It's not for others. Others don't care. In fact, others wouldn't even know. I mean, you could not see this outwardly, right? But the person who this was done to would know. With every step, with every move, they would be reminded very easily of the covenant that they took with God. But now Joshua is commanded to do this again. Now, when I read that, I thought, this doesn't make any sense. Why would Joshua be asked to do it a second time? But as we read, we understand what he's saying. Let's look at verse 4. If, look, if, if we have a question about Scripture, oftentimes, if we continue in Scripture, it'll be answered. You've just got to trust the Word. With that, let's go to verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, were who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way, after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who had came out had been circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness on the way, as they came out of Egypt, had not been circumcised. What does that mean? That means that there was no one left who had made the choice voluntarily to follow God. That was a sign of a covenant, a promise between the person and God. And through the wilderness experience, it fell to the wayside. That promise was not as important anymore. It wasn't passed down to the children anymore. And we often find that when we don't have direction or purpose, we begin to wander and we forget what we had in Christ. Has that happened to any of you? Have you gone through life and things pop up and you tend to forget what you had in Christ? It's very easy to do with the isolation that we've had over the past year where we can't come together and maybe we can't go to the Bible study that we once did, or, or maybe there's so many things, juggling the, the kids' schooling and all this stuff that I haven't had time to focus on me, the Scripture, and my relationship with Christ. It, it, it was pushed down a little bit on that level of importance. And now, as I sit here, I realize, yeah, this is what I need. I need that covenant. My, my time in the wilderness has caused me to back off some. 
and I need to recommit. I need a renewal that I could get back into this. Maybe, maybe you feel that. But look at what verse 6 says. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people who were the men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed. Why were they consumed? Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that He would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that He would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. God calls us to obey Him. If we're not working for God, if we're not doing things for God, then there's no use for us to be here doing things. A little bit of this morning's message. We need to be doing things. We need to be loving God with our strength. Amen? They didn't have faith, and they chose not to work towards the kingdom. So what I would say is those who are not working are wandering. Does that make sense? If you're not working, you're wandering. Say it with me. Those who are not what? Working. They're doing what? They're wandering. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that Christian. That God has you here for a purpose, and instead of obeying Him, you decide to wander for a bit. Because listen, it was not all fun and games and happiness for the Israelites that had to wander. Sure, they were alive. They were living life. But it wasn't the life that they could have. They could have had a better life. They could have had an abundant life. But they chose not to work for God. Instead, they chose not to obey God. They chose to wander. If you're choosing to wander, then you're choosing to squander. You're squandering your life. You're squandering your opportunity. And you're wasting the gift that God has given you. Don't be foolish. God's plan was on hold due to their disobedience for 40 years. I, I fully believe that God was going to take them from Egypt and bring them right into Canaan. But they decided they wanted it their way. Well, you know what, Christian? This isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way. It's God's way. And if we're not leading that way, then there's a problem. But God's plan restarted with the death of Moses. Moses died, and Joshua took command. And then God told Joshua, go across that river. And when they got on the other side, he said, you know what? You people need to make a decision. Are you going to work, or are you going to wander? Which one are you going to do? You need to renew your commitment to me. And the way they did that is in verse 7. Let's jump back into our text. 
Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, in place of the people who did nothing but squander what God gave him. God, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, they stayed in their place in camp until they were healed. Now let me ask you a question. Where did this happen at? This is chapter 5. So it's after they crossed the Jordan, right? So now they're in the land of Canaan. Do you remember when we first started this, when we first started to read, we said about there was people whose fight was kind of sucked out of them because of how God provided for the Israelites? So there's enemy forces in the area. Does that make sense? There are enemies surrounding God's people. So what does God say to do? God says... I want you to take and disable all the entire army. Make them so they can't fight by doing this circumcision. You know, you, you're not going to run and attack an enemy after that. They had to wait until they were healed. They were extremely vulnerable. But God knows what he's doing. Verse 9 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. The word Gilgal means to roll away. He said, I have rolled away the approach of Egypt. What does that mean? That means that I have washed away the stink that was on you. I have washed away that tendency to want what you had over what you could have. This day at Gilgal, I have rolled all that away. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus rolled away. Not only the stone when he came out, but he rolled away what you had in your life. The old tendencies, the sin, the way you used to think, the things you like to do. As a Christian, and it, look, as a Christian, it doesn't happen like that. You don't come in here and you say a prayer and you walk out that door and all of a sudden you don't like to watch pornography anymore. All of a sudden you don't like to swear or to do anything else that you used to do. No, that's not how it happens. It's not like that. It's slower. But it happens from the inside out. I begin to change how I feel about that stuff. So if you're new to the Christian walk and the Christian faith, I tell you, take a little bit of time. Don't be so hard on yourself for stumbling. But you get back up and you continue. And you don't stop. Because God is rolling away the old you. He is sliding it out of the way, just like that stone was rolled away from the tomb so long ago. And what emerged from that tomb was what? Perfect, holy, clean, glowing. That's what our lives could be in Christ. Does that make sense? Man, I love the Bible.
This is good stuff. Verse 10 says, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. That's kind of a weird thing to stick in there. Why do I care what they ate? Nothing in the Bible is there by chance. It's not happenstance that they give us the menu. Okay? What did you have for dinner? I had ham. You know what I had? I had a Valentine's Day hot dog from Enlow's. And it was awesome. Pennsylvania Dutch, they're so good. Why would... What, what is the significance of this menu? Let's take a look. Verse 12. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. What does that mean? For 40 years they have been sustained by what God gave them. This manna. Manna's good. God's provision is good. But it's based on, or it, it, it's situated for, it's created for the purpose that is at hand. For what they're doing at that time. Alan, what did they do for 40 years in the, in the wilderness? They wander. How much protein and energy do you need to wander? Like I could wander at night sometimes I get up and it looks like I wander. And I don't need much energy to do that. So the manna that they have was perfect. It was great for wandering. I mean, you could wander all day and all night on this high quality manna that God fed them. But something changed, didn't it? They crossed over the Jordan. Now they're in the promised land. This is different. They began to eat the food of the land in Canaan. Why the menu change? Because the job changes. What you're going to do in Canaan is not what you did in the wilderness. What God has on your plate right now might not be what you're going to eat all the time. And what I mean by that is the situation that you're going through, the job that you're in, the struggles that you're having might only be temporary. You might be getting a whole different meal tomorrow. That's exactly what they did. They began to eat the food of the land of Canaan. And you know what that food was good for? It was good for strength and stamina for battle. Because God knew that His people would have to battle. They would have to go up against enemies that surrounded them. And they were being prepared. So, if, if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying that my life just keeps getting thrown upside down, there's so many changes happening. I can't keep my head on straight because of it. 
Well, maybe, just maybe, God is preparing you for battle. Maybe you have something coming that He needs you strong for. And, and look, it might not even be you. We often think that it's us, right? we got to be ready for something that's going to happen to us. No. No, no. God uses us to help others. What you're being prepared for might be to come along someone else to help them in their battle. Because in battle, when you're going against an enemy and there's more than one person you're fighting, the person beside you is just as important, right? Because if they get taken out, then there's no one to stop the person from coming this way to get you. So you kind of help each other. That's what we're supposed to do. So maybe, just maybe, instead of looking at why is God doing this to me? Why am I having these things? Instead, maybe say, what is God preparing me for? Who is God preparing me for? What is coming that I need to eat this land, the food of the land of Canaan? Because manna was tasty, but this is much more uh, designed to make my body ready to fight. Verse 13, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes, and he looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. He walked out. He walked over near Jericho, and he saw a person in the army standing there with a sword out. That's not how they said hello back then. He has his sword drawn. When it's, it's just like, um, you know, one of the things during, uh, during the quarantine time, uh, Christy and I used to love to watch Gunsmoke. It's just, just, it's a great old Western. It really is. It's nice. And uh, what was really interesting was when they get into that scene... And I, John, you know this scene, right? Where they, they sit there and they kind of, they do this thing, right? As soon as, as soon as someone pulls the gun, what happens? Yeah, right? Oh, sorry, John, I didn't know it was loaded. I apologize. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as they pull that, the other guy shoots, right? If that gun's out, there's a fight going to happen. It's the same thing. We get the same picture. If that sword comes out of its sheath, you better be prepared to use it. Because it doesn't just come out for fun. No one's pulling that gun just for fun. Here he walks up and he sees this soldier. And he's got his sword drawn. And he's standing there. And I think, this is not in the Bible, this is just me. I think this guy was probably pretty intimidating. I'm thinking he's just this real buff-looking, you know, strong, you know, sort of like Wayne, uh, ready to fight, okay? And he's got his sword drawn. And, and Joshua sees him, and he goes, whoa. I mean, that's what the translation is in the original text, whoa. He says, Joshua went, to, Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? 
That's verse 13, the last part of 13. Uh, are you here to help us, or are you with our adversaries? Are you helping them? And I absolutely love the answer, and I guarantee that each one of you sitting here has read this and glossed straight over it. You've read it, and it never sunk in. Joshua went to him, last part of 13, and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, what? Yeah, nay, no. What kind of an answer is that? When's the last time you went to Meadows and, and, or, 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 or down here to uh, Milky Way and they said, you want chocolate or vanilla? And they go, uh, no. That doesn't make any sense. I gave you a choice, two things. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? No. Doesn't make any sense. Did that ever jump out to you before? Let's keep reading. This is good stuff. He said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take, off, take the sandal off of your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. He asked him, he asked the commander, is it us or them? And the commander said, no. He didn't choose us or them. Instead, he said, I'm not here for you or for them. I'm for him. I'm following the direction of the Lord. And I can imagine him leaning in real close to Joshua, real close and saying, and so should you. You should be following the command of the Lord as well. I love that. I'm not here for you or, or them, but Him. You see, the Israelites' covenant had lapsed. And they needed a renewal. They needed a renewal. You know, one of the things that my father uh, used to like to do was read wood magazines. He would get these magazines in the mail, all these different woodworking things, and, uh, and it, they were super cool. They had all kinds of projects in them and, and little jigs that you could buy and plans and things that you could build, and uh, it gave them happiness for a time to look through all that stuff. But you know what? The, the happiness didn't last forever because the subscription to the magazine would run out. Did anybody ever have a subscription that ran out before? Or maybe instead of a subscription, maybe it was a prescription that ran out. And what do you have to do when that thing runs out? How do you get it back again? What can you do? You could do what we did. We processed a renewal. We put in for a renewal to get that back, to get back the happiness. We all need a renewal in our lives. The Israelites' covenant had lapsed. 
And they had a renewal. Just like those magazines. They renewed the covenant with God. So I want to review with you uh, the first part really of Joshua. A few, a few chapters. The very first one is we look at chapters 1 and 2. This is when Joshua takes over. General Joshua takes command. And remember, he sends out two spies to go out and check out the land of Canaan. Does anybody remember why he sent out two? Because originally they sent out 12, right? And 10 of them came back and said, there's no way we could do this. But two came back and said, hey, God's on our side. There's nothing we can't do. So when Joshua sent out those two spies, he says, I'm just going to send two out because two is all we needed to get that good report. So he sent out those two spies in, in chapters 1 and 2. And then in chapters 3 and 4, we see him cross the Jordan. And then they stacked some stones. They created a reminder, a, a monument of sorts, a, a pillar, an altar, if you will, to remember what God did for them when they crossed the Jordan. And you know, that's something we need in our lives. We need to, to stack some stones. We need to do that. When, when God shows up in our lives, we need to stop and we need to make a memorial, stack some stones about that situation. Uh, about two years ago or so, I was teaching down in junior church, and we had a lesson like this. And I took the students outside. And we went outside and we collected stones. And we brought the stones back. And we stacked those stones because we remembered what happened that day. We remembered what our lesson was. Everybody else that walked past, they just saw a stack of stones. But to the people who stacked it, it meant something to them. It meant something to those students who stacked the stones. It allowed us to remember what God spoke to them that day. And I think it also allowed them to remember the fact that Elijah crawled down into the creek to try to pick up a stone and put it on. We remembered that stuff. We need to make some monuments in our lives. We need to stack some stones. Then we get to chapter 5, and chapter 5 is what we're talking about tonight. That renewal of the covenant about getting back to God. When we look at chapter 6 to 8, we go into the battles of Jericho and Ai. Then, chapters 9 to 12, we're introduced to encounters with the Gibeonites, the Amorites, the Termites, the Flashlights, and all those people. You see, once we get to 5, if you look down, the very next thing is battles. Down a little bit further, battles. Constant battles for these Israelites. So is it no wonder that God had to take the time to pull His people close, to renew that commitment to love God, to follow God, to obey His commandments, to live the life that He had for us? right before the battle started. He gave them the proper menu. He did it. 
we all need a renewal. Each of us can have it. A lot of battles were possible because of the renewal. They renewed their covenant in spite of pain. That was painful. They renewed their covenant in spite of the vulnerability that they would be in. The vulnerable state. But listen, you don't understand. If I follow God, my friends might hate me. If I follow God, I might get fired at work. If I follow God, yeah. You're going to be vulnerable when you follow God. But what's the other option? If you're not working, you're wandering. You're squandering what He has given you. God has created you for a purpose. The Bible says He knit you together in your mother's womb. Now, I've never knitted. I've done the latch key, latch, uh, latch key, that's getting in the house, latch hook. I've done the latch hook. I've made, you know, little pillows or something. It takes a long time. You have to be meticulous. You have to get everything right or else when you get your picture of a horse like his eyes down where his nose is, it looks weird. Nobody wants to look like that. God was specific in how He created you. He created you for that purpose. But they renewed in spite of pain. They renewed in spite of vulnerability. And they were able to do this because they trusted in the Lord. They trusted God. So where does that leave us? We need a renewal. We need it. Circumcision is no longer required to follow God, but a commitment is. A commitment is. Now, commitments are funny things, because sometimes we take commitments and we, we don't really, you know, some of these we'll follow, but some of these we won't follow. So, I want to ask you, which one's more important? Is it more important for someone to take a wedding ring off and remain faithful or to leave it on and be unfaithful. And I think most people would say, well, taking it off and staying true to the covenant would be more important. We need to recommit ourselves to following God because He has victories for us. There are victories in our future. Don't spend your time wandering. And the cool thing is that he showed and told of the victory before it happened. That is probably the coolest thing about this. I mean, if you knew that you were going to win before you even started playing, that would change how you play. That would change the whole vibe, the, the completely different mood that you would, you would know if, if in the Super Bowl the team knew that they were going to win before they even hiked the ball once, that would change how they would play. They wouldn't need that halftime locker room speech. Come on, guys, we can do it. They could just say, hey, you know what? 30 more minutes, 
We've got this. All we need to do is be out there. Be out there and be involved and, and do it because the victory is already ours. Boy, that would change things. Imagine just for a minute what it would look like if you knew that you could win. If you knew you could win in whatever you were planning, whatever you were doing, you already knew you were going to win. What would that look like in your life? You would be unafraid. You would be excited. You would be bold. You'd be reassuring because someone else would come up. I don't know if I could do this. Oh, you could totally do this. You could totally do this because I've seen it. I've seen it happen. We've been able to do it. Have you ever been scared to try something? Like definitely afraid of it? And then after you do it, you're like, that was great! And you want to go do it again? And you don't have that same fear that you had before? Why? Because now I know that I can do it. Yeah, but see, this is knowing that you can do it before you ever try. That's the difference. That's what God is showing us here. A renewal can offer us a chance to obtain the victory for Him. Not for us, not for them, but for Him. So tonight is your chance at renewal. And tomorrow is your opportunity for victory. You can have victory in Jesus. You can have victory in the renewal of your covenant with God. So what are the three things that you need to take from this sermon? What are the three things that you need to walk out this door? There's three of them. The first thing is to renew. Renew. Renew your covenant with God. Rededicate your life and your purpose to God. God, you know what? I'm a Christian, but i got to tell you, I've not really been following what you're saying. Not, not been reading, not really been caring. Oh, look, yeah, it's probably, you know what? If I get out of bed now, I'll probably be late to church. Eh, I just won't go. It's fine. I'll catch it next time. We have all had days like that. Renew your covenant with God. Rededicate your life to Him. Deuteronomy 7 says this, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be His own special treasure. He has chosen you to be His special treasure. It wasn't like, you know, He, he had to pick you. It wasn't that, that He got stuck with you. He specifically chose you because you're His special treasure. So renew the covenant with the God who so loves you that He calls you a treasure. Ladies, if your husband came home to you every night and called you his special treasure, what would that do? I mean, I think a lot of marriages would be better 
People will be more excited to see their husbands come home. (laughs) God thinks you are His special treasure. That's how He sees you. We should see Him the same. I told you there was three things. The first one was renew. The second one is to submit. Oh, it's a word we hate. Submit. Submit. Give Him the ability to bring victory. Allow Him to participate in your life to hand you the victory. Submit to Him. Submit to His will. Remember, the Israelites were wandering for 40 years. If they just would have listened, He would have handed them the victory. It would have held the door. Welcome to Canaan. Come on in. But instead, they knew better. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. Anybody that's ever had a five-year-old that think they know better, right? Here, let me show you how to do it. Mice do it. Mice do it. Yeah, I know you're going to try to do it. And you know what? You're going to screw it up. Don't say that to them. But you know that. Let them do it. We need to realize that we should submit to the Lord. We need to submit to the Lord. Take a look at what 1 Peter says about that. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Submit to Him. Humble yourself under His power and He will lift you up in honor at the right time. He knows what time is the best. So, three things. Renew, submit, and finally, believe. Believe. Finally, be... uh, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. See, look, I'm too weak to do that. I'm too scared to do that. I don't have the confidence to do that. I've never done that before. Be strong in His power because He can do it. He's done it before. He knows what you can do. He knows that you are able. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Don't worry about your might. It's His might that's important. So, choose revival. Choose renewal. Get back to your first love from this morning's message. Love God with all your heart mind, soul, strength, and recommit yourself that covenant with Him. Will you pray with me as the musicians come? Father, You have showed us plainly tonight that You are willing to roll away the sin that is in our lives and make our lives worth a purpose something that you have created us for. But God, sometimes we're just too stubborn, too stubborn to let you. We we don't know how to submit. 
We know that we can have victory, but, but we don't take the step of renewing our covenant. We don't take the step of rededicating ourselves to you and to your plan and to your purpose. Instead, we go our own way. And that causes us, Lord, to wander. We walk around aimlessly with no purpose. But it doesn't have to be that way. If we just believe, Lord, we can renew that covenant if we submit to your rule and believe that you are who you said you are. You said that you're here to have a Gilgal in our lives, to roll away that sin. And maybe someone watching at home tonight, maybe someone sitting right here is saying, you know what, I have let my life slip back away from God and more towards the world. But that changes this evening. This evening, I will renew my covenant with God. I will submit to His rule. And maybe someone there is saying, I've never even done it to begin with. But I know that I need to. Well, if you pray this prayer with me and if you believe it with all of your heart, I can tell you that God is going to stop the manna that you've been given. And you're going to start eating the food of Canaan. You're going to start growing. You're going to start having a life worth living. A life of purpose. If that's what you want, you can pray this prayer with me. You can say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've been living my own life for me. But Lord, I want to live the life you want me to live. I want to live for you. So I ask you to cleanse my sin. The precious blood of Jesus washed it away. It rolled it away off me. Come into my life and make me new. Give me a renewal of purpose today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Hey, listen, if, if you prayed that prayer tonight, uh, let me know. Because we want to partner with you in, in taking new steps in, in your walk and your journey with Jesus. Um, you, can, you can reach out to us online if, you, if you're watching online and said that prayer. And if you're, uh, if you're sitting here, just, just come see me. Let's, uh, let's stand as we close singing victory in Jesus.